Welcome to the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. This is the place where you'll learn cutting-edge personal brand strategies from today's most recognizable influencers. We're going to teach you how to build a rock-solid reputation and then how to turn that reputation into revenue. I'm your lead host, Rory Vaden, co-founder of Brand Builders Group, Hall of Fame speaker, and New York Times bestselling author of Take the Stairs. You know, some of these interviews are more encouraging and like inspiring and, and kind of aspirational in terms of hearing the stories of these personal brands. And then some of them are more like strategic and kind of mind-blowing in terms of some of the strategies that they use it and some of them are incredibly tactical with like specific kind of pragmatic ideas that you can apply you know directly to your business hopefully all of them all of these interviews are a little bit of all of those but today's interview with Sally Hogshead is incredible it's and it follows into that third category of tactical and I'm telling you if you're driving you're going to want to like have a voice memo open or something to take notes on. If you're sitting at your computer, like get your pen ready or open a separate Word document. Sally has been known to drop knowledge bombs and she drops some major knowledge bombs, some very tweetable moments. And I'm talking about, this is the kind of interview that can completely shift your perspective and shift the way you see your entire personal brand. So you must listen to this, listen to it all the way through to the very end. And then of course, in the next episode, AJ and I will do our cliff notes, you know, deep dive recap of summary of the episode. So this one is just me talking with Sally. It's absolutely incredible. I can't wait for you to hear it. I know you're going to love it. We'll get started just after this message. Hi, it's AJ Vaden, and thanks for listening to the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. Did you know that the ideas we share on the show are things we actually specialize in helping you implement? If you want to raise your public profile and turn your reputation into revenue, please visit freecall.brandbuildersgroup.com to sign up for a free brand strategy call with one of our personal brand strategists. Again, that's freecall.brandbuildersgroup.com to sign up for your free call. Talk to you soon. I am about to introduce you to, if you don't already know her, maybe the smartest woman in the world, other than my wife, like AJ and Sally. <laughs> But oh, truly, I just, one of my dearest friends and colleagues in this space, mm. you know, on the surface, Sally is a New York Times bestselling author. She's a hall of fame speaker. I mean, she literally speaks on the biggest and most prolific stages in the world. She has been on the Today Show, right? She's done campaigns for Mini Cooper and Nike and Godiva and Coca-Cola. And, you know, she is somebody that's been in branding and marketing her entire career. She has built a monstrous personal brand. And Sally is just someone who does it the right way. And she's a true thought leader. She has carved out a very unique expertise and just shifted the way that the world thinks about, you know, her, her recent book, mm -hmm. How to Make Brands, Your Brand Impossible to Resist. So she's the creator of 
the fascination advantage assessment, which you all are going to get for free, just spoiler, whoop, whoop. but you got to stick around, <laughs> but she's going to give it to y'all for free. And, but more than that, she's just a dear friend and somebody that I go to when oh. I need advice and, and learn from. So Sally, thank, thank you. you. Time. And likewise, I mean, the conversations that you and I have, it seems like every three to six months, we have an opportunity to sit down and really get into it. And we have so much trust between us that we don't have to sit there and do a, the caveats and the preamble. So I really appreciate that too. Yeah. Well, it, it's an honor. So I want to picture you from the outside, I feel like had a very meteoric rise to success in the speaking world. Like you mm. kind of came in, a lot of speakers, you know, it's like, they, you know, they'd say, oh, well, I spent 20, 25 years before I was in the Hall of yeah. Fame. But there's, you know, you were working at this for a long time. And, and I just want you to sort of think about, you know, that person that's out there that wants to be where you are. Like, can you just give us the, the, yeah. the story? Tell us like, how did it happen? Like, how did you become the speaker you know, creator of the assessment, New York Times bestselling author, like what was the journey like at a high level? You know, it looks from the outside like it's meteoric. I only took 10 years in the making <laughs> just because yeah. I was totally not on the radar, not because I didn't want to be, but because I just didn't really know how to crack into it. And here are a couple of things that were massively formative for me as uh, very dark times that turned into epiphanies. One of them was when, when I really wanted to be a speaker and I actually had tried to make that shift from, hey, I'm good in presentations to let me share a message with your audience for a fee. I didn't have a best-selling book yet and I, I didn't have any contacts. I had no reputation in the, in the speaking world and I didn't have a lot of the things that make it easy to take for granted. And so I took a step back and I realized, first of all, I was trying so hard to take other speakers and mimic them. I want to be as polished as this speaker. I want to have everything memorized that I had kind of out of fear become locked up. And I think that's an easy trap to fall in is if we don't know who we are, we can't expect anyone else to know who we are. And so I was trying to outdo people at their own game. So I took a step back in 2012 and I thought, what is it that I can bring to the party that other speakers can't? And I realized there's only one time that you have complete control of how other people are going to perceive you. There's only one time when your brand is in control, and that's the first few seconds when somebody interacts with you or with your materials for the first time. So I created the most fascinating possible mailer that I, that I could that showed up on people's doorsteps. And the cool thing about the mailer, it was a so I mailed it out in blue suitcases that looked like this. They were groovy little suitcases. And then I had inside of the case, I did an exploration of not me, but the, the recipient. Hey, Rory, here's what makes you fascinating. You are consistently respected. You are classically admired. You are best in class. And then if you'd like to talk more about how I might be able to bring this in a speech, feel free to reach out to me. Here's my private cell. Looking at that, what I was doing was taking a little expertise that I have, which was branding and understanding that you need to instantly differentiate yourself, but applying it in a fresh way. And this is something anybody can do, whatever your background is, find something in your history, a skill set, an aspect of your network, and then find a way to apply it, not to everything. You don't have to have great website, great hold music, great team, great office space. You just have to have one highly different. I, I have to them. disagree with you. I have found that hold music is the single greatest key to get fees is, is good hold music while you're on the phone. If you don't have good hold music, you are going to epically fail in this business. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, my favorite was my old client, Buca di Beppo, where it was Italian opera playing in the bathrooms. So another thing that I did was when I created my business card, since the name of the company is Fascinate, I had to do something fascinating. And so when I, similarly to the blue suitcase idea, telling them about them, I created a business card that shows them it's all about them. Hey, how do you fascinate? So then when I meet somebody, I can say, here's what makes you fascinating. Rory, I happen to know yours. You build loyalty and you set the standard. So if I were to give this to you, you fascinate with prestige and trust. Your archetype is the blue chip. What we found was a business card cost $2, but on average, we made $64 in returns from every business card I gave out because people kept it and it was a treasure. I didn't have the money to pay for everything else extravagantly, but you don't have to have the most business cards. You have to have the best one. And so applying things from my own background, that was one way that I realized I don't have to be better, but I do have to be different. Yeah. And you have a great quote. We might as well get it out there because I say it all the time and I do cite you, but it's, this is like a game changing paradigm shifting quote on this. Can you just like go ahead and drop the mic for us with your, your different and better, your, your yeah. philosophy on that? It's good to be better, but it's better to be different. Different is better than better. And this dates back to when I worked with challenger underdog brands like Mini Cooper trying to compete against VW. If you try to outdo somebody else at their own game by being better than you, you will always win because somebody else can outcompete you. But if you try to differentiate yourself, it makes it much easier for you to build a brand, build a company, an empire around who you already are so that your personality isn't a bolt-on. Your personality is the main driver of your business. That's how we, especially as entrepreneurs, we can show up and be focused and in the flow and confident confident and enlivened because we're understanding that different is better than better. Yeah. And I think that is such a powerful idea again of just like, if you become like you say this, the key to becoming fascinating is to, is to become more of who you already are. Yeah. Don't change who you are, become more of who you are. Dan Kennedy also said it another way. He said, the higher the income, the more the person is paid for who they are and the less the person is paid for what they do. Mm. Who you are is highly differentiated. What you do is a commodity. So a dentist, you do fillings, I do fillings, but what's the value that you're bringing there that is the differentiator for your personal brand? And that's always been helpful because if you focus on just trying to do what you do better, then you'll never really be able to scale and achieve the massive growth that I know anybody who's listening to this wants, even if it's just having a message that makes a bigger difference in the world. Don't focus on what you do, focus on who you are. Yeah. And do you think that this applies, you know, like obviously a lot of our audience are people who want to monetize their personal brand. So they want to be speakers and authors and, and, and that. But it's interesting to me that you, you go out and you speak in corporations about how to be more fascinating and why it matters. So this, this applies to corporate executives and people like climbing the ladder. And like, even if you're working inside of a big company, you still feel like, cause, yeah. cause I think there's, there is a, there is a strong overlap between reputation that we talk about and making right. yourself more fascinating. I, I think it's like, there's a lot of overlap there. You feel like this applies in the corporate world, even if someone's mm -hmm. not like going to build a social media following or whatever. Yeah. Here's what I see is the the Venn diagram overlap between reputation and what makes you fascinating. Reputation is a, clearly established set of principles and beliefs and attributes 
that are clearly linked to you. So if somebody in the office says, you know what, we really need somebody with a specialty for details. If you have a reputation for being exceptional in the area of details, then that is your ideal project. If you're a salesperson and you have a competitive advantage in being passionately, emotionally connective, your ideal client is going to be somebody who needs a salesperson who is passionately, emotionally connective. So what the fascination advantage does is it helps you pinpoint exactly what your differentiator is. Why should an ideal client work with you and not somebody else? We know we need a personal brand, but what is your personal brand? And your personal brand is, as I know you know, it's not just the meetings you go into, the presentations you go in. It's who you are and how you move through life so that you can have the best connections you can because you're making a bigger difference based on how you are different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I absolutely, I absolutely, I love that. And we're going to talk about the, the fascination advantage here so that y'all can get this because Sally's going to give you this assessment that you go through and it actually tells you the phrase that we use is find your uniqueness, which is mm. something I learned from Larry Wingett years ago to find your uniqueness and exploit it in the service of others. And so we do the work at Brand Builders Group of just like all day, every day, trying to like dive in and figure out what is the uniqueness of each client. And your assessment really cuts to the heart of that and gives people some language right up front. So let me ask you this. So before we come back to that, what do you feel like was your big breakthrough in terms of a personal brand? So like you mentioned before, you weren't on the radar for a while. And then all of a sudden, you were everywhere. And do you feel like there was, you know, what was that big moment like for you? And how did that kind of happen? In February of 2010, it was a really crappy time to release a high concept business book, which is exactly when my book Fascinate came out. So I was sweating bullets because it was the recession. Nobody was spending money on this high concept Malcolm Gladwell type book. And so Rory, you know how this goes. There's, There's about three months from the time that you turn in the manuscript and you cannot touch it because it is being printed somewhere in a warehouse. And then ships or large trucks are taking it out to the world. So I was, you know, just like gouging my eyeballs out with mechanical pencils. So I said, well, if the book is about fascinating, I know what makes brand fascinating. What if we created a way to measure what makes an individual fascinating? So I kind of, I started, I took the research and I started looking at it and I realized that personality tests are based on psychology and psychology is great, but it shows you how you see the world. What it lacks is the ability to show you how does the world see you? In other words, how do people perceive you at your most valuable, your most exceptional? So I went back into my branding mindset and brands have focus groups. Coke doesn't care how Coke sees the company. Coke only cares how does the consumer see Coke? So if you take the principles of a focus group and you apply it to a personal brand, you can actually measure that. And so I thought, well, when the book comes out in February, where like there were, you know, crickets out there. When the book comes out, what if I had this assessment simply as a social media tool to get people to talk about this and sort of as like a launch buzz vehicle. So the assessment came out and within about three months, we had like 30,000 people do it. I mean, this is before Facebook advertising. This was just organically, it was getting shared. And it, it continued to live as, there was no opt-in, there was, it, there was no click we weren't collecting any email addresses because we had no idea what an email list was. And then finally, when we decided that this is really something that needs to have a bigger place in the world. So we started charging for it and turned it into an actual full report. It was nerve wracking that 
<laughs> the first couple of days, I would get an email every time we made a sale. And it was the first 12 hours, there was no sale. And then a lonely ding. And the next day, it was ding, ding. Until pretty soon, my kids called it the dinner bell. And uh, ding, 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 ding. And so that was kind of a trajectory of realizing the little weird experiments that you do are the most valuable part of your personal brand. Because if all you do is have one plodding strategy, but you haven't gotten feedback of how other people are going to respond to you, it's crucial to have these little flares of testing something out. I think that's a great also part of what Brand Builders Group is doing, that you're actually giving people not just the why, but the how. So can we talk about the assessment for a second? Like, it's, it's amazing. And I know now it's like extremely scientific and so many people. How many, take, how many people have taken the assessment? Over a million. We stopped counting at a million, uh, but yeah. That's incredible. So I think, you know, assessments are really powerful because I just, people just like assessments in general. And I think, you know, the way that you did yours and positioned it also was powerful versus like Myers-Briggs or Strength Finders or something where it's like, you know, how you see the world versus how the world sees you. Yeah. It's really genius and, and very cool. If somebody's out there and they have an idea for an assessment, like they go, gosh, there, there's something I would want to measure. How do you go from the idea for an assessment to yeah. actually like, this is a thing that people can take and, and how do you know if it's like validated or, you know, it's legitimate or, you know, like talk about that a little bit. Sure. Well, the first thing in creating an assessment is what do you want to measure? And I think this is a mistake that I see people make a lot is they're like, I want an assessment, but they don't really have anything. They don't know what to measure. So they don't have an outcome because they can't help people move forward in an area. The second thing that I see people make is once they figure out what they want to measure, like how likely are you to be successful in opening a small business or how likable are you with your team? then it's not just about measuring something. It's about there has to be an experience that your personal brand is adding to why somebody should do this assessment. Let me say that another way. If somebody could take the assessment that you're thinking about doing, take your name off, put their name on, you don't have a branded assessment. So it's, it has nothing to do with you, your business. It has to be that if you took my name off the fascination advantage, it's not like, somebody else can put it on. And that was done very much on purpose, that the experience of going through it, we had a very clear creative brief. And it was super geeky design experts who are voracious about helping you see who you are at your best. So everything we did was kind of like, like everything feels kind of geeky and highly branded and scientific in making sure that we were using all the research that we had, all the iconography. And this is what I mean by the experience. Like having, if you, if you can provide analytics of some kind, then it makes your assessment much more valuable because it's not just going on your say-so, you can actually prove something. If you describe, don't just describe who they are, describe who they're not. So if you're, if you're giving somebody feedback, you are likely to be really exceptional in this area. Like in this case, somebody who's massively forward thinking. You are not gonna be great in this area. Another thing that I did to differentiate the fascination advantage is I, at no point, I, 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 I positioned it against other competing assessments. And this is, a, this is a great key as your assessment grows. You can't say, I'm like Myers-Briggs, just not as famous. We took the opposite stance and say, great, you have Myers-Briggs. You have StrengthsFinder. You don't need to know any more about that. You don't need to know how you see the world. You don't need to know your strengths. You need to know your differences. And then that gives you a foil 
And this is true for anything in your personal brand. Just as it's important to know who you are, it's almost even more important to know who you're not and why that matters for your ideal client. So our messaging, our positioning is, if you want to know your strengths, there are a lot of other assessments out there. If you want to know your differences and not evaluate people on the basis of strengths and weaknesses and competition, then we're the only assessment that can offer that. So that can map on to anybody's personal brand. If you are very much not this kind of thought leader, you don't have to diss them. It's just, you have this, but now let's, why is what you have to say needed right now for the person that's going to buy you, hire you, sign up for you? Yeah. And I, I think this concept is something that is one of your superpowers. You have many, but I think one of your superpowers is like differential positioning. But it's kind of like, I think you described it to me as one time, I think we were talking about maybe speaker fees or, or speaker and you, you're like, you need to, and, and clean this up because I'm probably not going to say it right, but it was, it was like you said, you need to be able to put yourself inside of a box that people understand but then you need to be able to differentiate yourself from everyone else in that box. Yes. Yeah. That was an interesting interpretation. Where that came from was when I, I, I did a lot of research trying to understand why was I not getting hired and other people were making $20,000, $30,000 a speech. And so I started looking at what the most successful speakers were doing. And I went on to all the speaker bureau websites and I started correlating those drop down menu of topics. So right. education's a topic, politics, economics, psychology, those are all topics. And I measured that against the fee they could charge. I mean, the higher the fee, not just the more demand, but the more specialized they are. And I saw that people who were using the word innovation on average to describe their topic made $5,000 more per speech than the people who were using the word creativity. Even though creativity and innovation are essentially the same topic. It's just simply how you position it. Marketing, totally overused. Branding, less used, but still really used. Fascination, why are we fascinated by some brands and people? So I was still operating in the marketing box, but drilling down more deeply so that it could be very clear, I am not this, but I, I am this. Another thing, Roy, that you and I talked about one time that I think that was a really interesting conversation we had is that... Every time you're putting yourself out there, especially if, you're, if you want a certain job or project or client, there are four people you're competing against. The first one is, a, is more of an expert, so they have, they're more specialized than you. The next one is more famous. The third one is cheaper than you. Definitely don't want to compete against that person. And the fourth one is the pet who's, you know, we love Bob. We always work with Bob, the person who's entrenched in some way. So the specialist, the one who's more famous, the one who is cheaper, and the one who's the pet. So when we think about our personal brand, we have to, we have to be able to buffer all of those by, you definitely don't want to be the cheapest, but people will only pay you as much as they perceive you're adding value. And ultimately you have to get somebody to sit their butt down and write a check for you and not for all of your competition. So the more that you can articulate and make it easy for people to know why should they hire you right now versus hiring the cast of thousands that are out there, the easier it is for you to attract your ideal client and your ideal client leads to more of the exact work that you want. Yeah, I remember that. There's always someone smarter than you, more famous than you, cheaper than you, and more favorite than you. Hopefully not better looking than you. And that's not a good any, thing. Not a good <laughs> but, so where do you look for that differentiation then? Is it just in the words you use? Like, how do you, how do you figure out, you go, okay, I'm a, 
motivational speaker, but I am not this, or I'm a sales speaker, but I'm not this, or I'm a business author, but I'm not this, or I'm a spiritual author, but I'm not this. Right. Is that kind of like take the assessment, start from where you are, like figure out, you know, what is really unique about you and build from there? A key lesson from world-class brands, especially ones that are feistier, that don't have the biggest marketing budgets, is they don't try to compete with a bigger budget or being better. It's that you have to know how you're different. But, and that's how I, when I created the Fascination Advantage Assessment, the, the key to the whole system is you have to be able to have one word that sums up exactly how you are different and why they should care. So when you took the Fascination Advantage Assessment, we learned here you're a, you're a blue chip. You are classic, established, and best in class. So the, this is the language that you had in your report. So Rory, you might say, if you want to work with a brand builder who is classic, established, and best in class, then I'm the best option for you. If you want to work with a brand builder who is bold, artistic, and unorthodox, there are plenty of people that you could work with. But if you want somebody classic, established, and best in class, then let's talk. You could also say, you don't need a brand builder that is bold, artistic, and unorthodox. The world is changing too quickly. Branding hasn't evolved that much. We have to make sure that you can be classic, established, and best in class. So think of it like those are words that you plug into your marketing or you simply have it as a positioning. I am this, make a list. I am not this, make a list. And then your job is to be as much not this as possible. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. One of the things that we do, so when we do our strategy days or when people come, come through, you know, like one of our events, is we take up through brand characteristics list and we say, come up with a list of adjectives you want people to use to describe your brand. But what we haven't done is say, come up with a list of adjectives you never want people to use when describing your brand, which is what I'm hearing you say is like equally as powerful. I would say there's a third category because what you said is what you said is great. You, you would never want them to use this to describe your brand. What I was saying was slightly different, but I think it's a third category, which is other people are this and that's fine, but that's not me. And I'll never be this. And if a client hires me to be perfectionistic, meticulous, on target, redundant, practical, they shouldn't work with me, but I can refer them to somebody else. On the other hand, what I would never be, so this is your second column, what I would never be, these are the, the double troubles. I, I'd never want to be dominant, overbearing, dogmatic, startling, chaotic, arrogant, cold, superior. So here's who you are. Here's who you would never want to be, but is kind of like the shadow of this. Uh-huh. And then here's what other people are, other competitors that, that are, you, are you can counterpoint yourself against. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gosh, it's so good. Like it's, and it's crazy how much of this I'd say you, and then one of my, one of my best buddies, Jason Dorsey, you yeah. know, have, have both made such an impact on my speaking career just by helping me understand the value of positioning where it's yeah. like innovation is worth twice what creativity is worth. Yeah. Same exact content, same speaker, right. same bio, yeah. same everything. And, and that is about positioning, which is what is branding. So uh, another thing I want to ask you, I know we're like running out of time. I'm trying to think of like, it's crazy. I've got, I, I, I don't even realize this until this interview. I have like a list of like the 25 top lessons I've learned from Sally Hogshead. Like I could write a book on <laughs> these are the, the key like things that have helped me. There's another phrase that you say, and I think people need to hear this. And I don't think you teach this formally, but this was like an aside conversation. You said, raise the stakes. 
Mm. Or you have to learn how to raise the stakes. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? And how does that apply to like our personal brand? Yeah. Your personal brand is not valuable unless it solves a problem. Fascination. Everybody thought it was a frivolous term. Nobody saw why do I need to be fascinating if I'm not at a cocktail party? And the answer is in a crowded, distracted, commoditized world, if you don't fascinate, you will fail. You'll lose clients. You'll lose money. You'll die cold and alone. And really making the problem as painful as possible. So if you don't know the problem that you're solving, then, people, then you're not worth the bigger check. The bigger the problem you can solve, the more, the more deeply scary the problem is, the better. I learned this from my original speaking coach, Nick Morgan of Public Words, and back in like 2006 when I was trying to be a speaker in the old days. And he said, you're trying to be liked. The more that you can make somebody uncomfortable about a problem that they're already nervous about, something that's already keeping them up at night, the more urgently they'll want to work with you and the more they will pay you to alleviate that problem. So at the beginning of a book or at the beginning of a speech, at the beginning of a presentation, you know, you can greet everybody, but say, here are the threats. These are the threats that you face. The three threats that I solve are distraction, competition, and commoditization. People aren't listening to you. Your competition is getting better and nobody knows how you're different than everybody else. So I recommend that you have three, what I call them deadly threats. What are the three deadly threats that if they don't have a solution to that problem, then like things are going to hit the fan. And then, and then when you explain how you solve that problem, they already have an appetite. The phrase Nick Morgan used was, what is their problem for which you are the perfect solution? And when you define that, to me, that was hugely transformational because I was doing fascination, like what kinds of things are fascinating? Why do we pay more for this bottled water than that bottled water? And that's a $5,000 speech. But if when you say your company will go out of business, if you don't understand how each person on your team has a unique competitive advantage that allows them to be hyper overachievers because they have a specialty that they can double down on one specific area that where they are very likely to over deliver. That's a different positioning. Yeah. Same topic. Uh, same topic. Yeah. You see, effectively you're teaching the same content, but the, the wrapper that you're doing it with yeah. changed the context of which you're presenting. And also like the, the awareness of which the audience is receiving that message is much more heightened because yeah. you've made it, you've made it, more relevant. You've made it uncomfortable. You want people to be itchy. You want people to almost put the book down or walk out of the speech because they're like, holy crap. One last piece of research that this ties into that I think is relevant to what we're talking about is of the million people that we've measured, we looked at the high performers in every industry at every level, both genders, all geographies. And we said, what are the high performers doing differently? I thought it was going to be linked to skills or network or education, and it wasn't. It was, what the high performers did differently was two things. They delivered a very specific benefit. They did not try to be all things to all people. So first was specific benefit. In my case, a specific benefit would be different, different than yours, but is your specific benefit that you're meticulous or is it that you're entrepreneurial and so on? And the second thing the high performers did differently is they did it on purpose. They purposely tried to step away from projects where they couldn't over deliver. So the detail person wasn't trying to be the cheerleader for projects. So that's kind of the overlap with reputation is that you have to have a reputation for one specific area of specialty. 
And you get to choose it because it's a personal brand, but make sure it's something that you want to live into for the rest of your career. Otherwise, you won't be confident and authentic and you'll be wearing a very expensive masquerade. Yeah, I, th I think about Brand Builders Group, right? Like we, we made a decided, you know, several decisions early on. Like one of them was we do exclusive personal branding. We do not work mm. with companies. We only work with people. That was a very deliberate decision to go. Mm. We know that we can do this well for a person. We could probably do it for companies. A lot of our methodologies would apply to companies, but it's like, that's just not who we're going to be. I, I think. So, that, so you're, you're doing with a company highly specialized and you have your word, which is reputation. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. The word is the positioning that if reputation is your business, then that informs who your clients are and even what your whole music is. Yes, it does. Well, and, and then, you know, so like the way, the way we're positioned right now, although it's more of like internal moniker, so to speak, is that obscurity is the problem we solve, which is to be unclear, untrusted, yeah. or unknown. Mm. So we say, look, like if you don't have the reputation, it's either because you're unclear, you're, you're, yeah. you can't, when someone says, what do you do? You fumble like a buffoon. You're untrusted. So they mm. know you, but they don't trust you. Or they just don't know you. You're flat out invisible. And so when I was thinking about your, th your three, three deadly threats, I was sort of thinking about this. So yeah, for all of you watching, this is really just a free coaching call for me. I'm glad that you all <laughs> have to be here. But this was just really a way to hook Sally in to be like, okay, what can I do to like get some <laughs> free coaching for Sally? No. So seriously, Sally, where do you want people to go to connect with you? And I know we've been teasing the fascination advantage. They have to take it because this is what we do. We help them find their uniqueness and it's like, they all should come to us with their word in hand directly mm. from you. So do you want to tell them where to go or do you want me sure. to? Yeah, I can tell. It's howtofascinate.com forward slash you, Y-O-U. Howtofascinate.com forward slash you. And then you put in your special code and your special code is BBG19. It's not case sensitive, but BBG19, all one word. And then what I encourage you to do is after you take the assessment, have people around you take the assessment so you can start having the conversation of understanding, having a word to understand who somebody else is at their best, and then come back to BBG and, and uh, post in the comments what your result is so that we can start to learn more about you and you can start to learn more about other people in your world. Yeah, absolutely love it. The last thing I want you to just leave people with, Sally, is, you know, this thought about the way you become fascinating is yeah. more of yourself. Why do you believe that? And, and why do you think that matters? And does it matter? I mean, there's like a bazillion people on the planet. Why should anyone care to listen to me or my message or follow my social media when they could follow mm. a bazillion other people? Well, growing up with the last name Hogshead, as you can imagine. <laughs> that's, a, that's like a competitive disadvantage on the playground. And, and I, like, I literally remember going in and crying to my mom, Mrs. Hogshead, saying, why can't we have a name like Smith or Jones? And my mother said to me, it's the thing about our name that makes it different that will one day make you love it. The thing about you that makes you different is what makes people love you. And if we, you know, now my family, we have Hogger Fest twice a year to celebrate the birthdays of the grandkids. And October is Hogtoberfest. But using that as an example, you don't have to change who you are. You have to become more of who you are, specifically at your best. And that when you do that, it allows you to not just 
not be beaten down by the mediocrity of trying to pretend that you're something that you're not. The world isn't changed by people who sort of care. The world, the world isn't changed by people who aren't passionate and who aren't almost irrationally dedicated. The world is changed by people who understand who they are so they can help the world exist at its best. And that's why I'm excited that you have BBG on the rise and I'm so proud of you. Like we talked about this over a year ago and it was a it was this concept that you and AJ had thought through but really spent time thinking about what not just what's the positioning but the purpose, what's the meaning of your brand. So I am I'm psyched. I feel like kind of like a like a little grandmother coming in seeing how you're doing. <laughs> Well, that is awesome, Sally. Like, thank you so much for your encouragement and your wisdom. There's about 75 tweetable moments in this little interview that we're gonna have to boil down to five, but we'll put links so people can follow you. We're certainly gonna put right. a direct link for the fascination assessment and the code and everything so people can take it. And thank you for being fascinating, teaching, the, teaching all of us how to be more fascinating by being more of ourselves. We appreciate you so much. Thank you, wonderful. Thanks, Rory. That's all we've got for this edition of the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. Hey, one thing that would really help both us and other new potential listeners is for you to rate this show and leave a comment in either iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you tune in to listen. Also, make sure to link up with us on social media and please just share, share, share this podcast with anyone who you think might enjoy it. Until next time, remember that building a business isn't nearly as valuable as building a reputation. Thank you.